Hey, this is Julia. <clears throat> Welcome back to Aquarian Times. It is March 10th, 2021. This is episode 27. And this actually happens to be the last episode in the installment of my 21 Hidden Root Causes of Disease project. Wow. So as I mentioned, I've been podcasting about this since September. Um, you can go to my website, juliaburnbaum.com to read more about this project. Um, I've been blogging about it, like I said, and um, you can find all that information there. Um, this project has been near and dear to my heart um, for the past yeah, several months. Um, and through this quarantine time, you know, uh, the second half of, of the the year that that we've been in quarantine in 2020 <clears throat> that we were in quarantine and still are but um and so again I feel the relevance of this uh project and the topics that I cover 21 hidden root causes of disease is um you know on the table at the moment and that's why this project came through and I wanted to share it and so, um, on this, for this last, um, for this last topic this week, this, uh, number 21 is the topic of dissociation. So last week I talked about, um, trauma and, um, the nervous system and the Ayurvedic perspective on fight, flight, and freeze and the doshas. So you can go back and listen to that. This week I, br- um, I, Again, bringing in the um, subject of dissociation, which is associated with the flea response, the vata response. And again, you can listen to that episode to understand that, what I mean by that. But I brought on an expert this week. Um, so you'll be hearing from from her in this episode today. And her name is Magdalena Weinstein. And she is a somatic... Um, experiencing um, specialist or uh, practitioner and um, I just had her website up so I could give you the the spelling of her name but then I must have logged out so I'm pulling that up again okay so if you want to look her up um, her name is Magdalena her last name is Weinstein it's w-e-i-n-s-t-e-i-n so you can check her out she's online uh, MagdalenaWeinstein.com. And uh, she is very knowledgeable about this topic. So uh, we'll be talking, uh, we have a conversation that's about 40 something minutes. Uh, and you can listen to right, right now. And so again, if you want to get in touch with me to ask some more questions or put in context uh, this information, find me at JuliaBurnbaum.com. If you want to reach out to Magdalena and learn more about what she does, MagdalenaWeinstein.com. And uh, yes, I look. I hope you um, enjoy this conversation. Um, it's very informative. It's very ap- appropriate for these times. Dissociation is a real, really big issue right now with our technology use, and um, you know the move into the Aquarian age, which is an air sign, and the fact that we're moving into the more etheric realms and it's hard to stay connect harder to stay connected to our bodies so yeah so she gives more of a traumatic um a overview about the 
you know, trauma, which is what I wanted to talk about with her. But if you read my blog article, you can learn more about a holistic perspective of, of dissociation and, um, you know, uh, the different ways it happens and the different functions it serves. So please uh, enjoy this episode and um, I'll see you in the next, on the next uh, installment. All right. Take care or go ahead and listen to this now. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. So we're recording and want to welcome you Magdalena today to talk about to well you're going to be this is going to be my podcast as well so Aquarian Times is the podcast and um you're a specialist in the field of trauma and I want you to talk to us today about um dissociation which is a byproduct of trauma and I'd, I'd like you to just introduce yourself for the listeners you wouldn't mind Thank you for inviting me, Julia. You're um, welcome. <laughs> with you talking. Uh, I don't know, what, what would you like me to say about me? Just however, um, you know, you're maybe whatever you want people to know, your full name or your, and, and how, what do you do in the world? Yeah, so my name is Magdalena Weinstein. I'm originally from Chile, South America, and I have been an immigrant of the United States for the last 16 years. And I have a couple of kids and a husband and I live in the Mendocino coast, like you do. And that's how we met. And I did a lot of movement and my background is strongly into yoga and movement for the maybe first 20 years of my, my like getting in touch with what I wanted to do around my 20s, late 20s and mid-20s and then I started uh, also parallel to that I did something called process coaching for 10 years I, I, I started doing their coaching program and the, the training program and everything and then I started collaborating with them being part of their development of process coaching for that amount of time and then I felt like it wasn't enough even though that's great because it's hypnotherapy and it's neuro-linguistic programming and also regression, parts work, like, like a regressing to parts of the self younger and constellation work. There's a lot there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, and I still felt like there was something missing in that uh, work. Also, I felt like it was missing in yoga, in movement, in the movement field that I was uh, very disenchanted with for maybe half the time of those 20 years, 10 years of that time, I was disenchanted, but still exploring if it was still my field or not. Yeah. And then I decided I had a feeling because I had read Peter Levine's work, um, some of his books, and I was feeling like uh, I knew there was something in somatic experiencing, but I, was, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I wanted to explore just kind of like the feel of trauma, straightforward, not the coaching trauma, not the coaching feel or the movement feel anymore. Okay. And I went there in 2018 and I, I loved it. I, it clicked with everything else I had done. It clicked with process coaching, with the regression piece, with the constellation work, which actually Peter Levine does currently is very interested in ancestral trauma and has been collaborating with a woman that does constellation, ancestral work of constellation, systemic family constellation, mostly family constellation, because he's very interested in that because he's Jewish, his lineage is, you know, like 
a, a Holocaust lineage. And, you know, I'm Jewish too, but I also have my, my Chilean background and migration mm -hmm. stuff and, and other historical trauma like dictatorship that I grew up in. Sure. For we, all years. Have, we all have something. <laughs> yeah, right. So I have yeah. a lot of historical and social cultural trauma because mm -hmm. of migration or dictatorship and all that stuff and Jewish. So <clears throat> I've been doing uh, so since when I started somatic experiencing, I've been mostly devoted to that field of trauma, very uh, gentle approach, but very biological approach to trauma and seeing the person like a living being mm -hmm. more, than, more than a human. Uh, and so what a living being needs uh, what are the needs and what happens if they those needs are not uh, um, satisfied or not developed or just they, they're not encountered and for different reasons it could be the little trauma the, the shock trauma instances of trauma and then also the big trauma which is developmental uh, transgenerational but also uh, attachment trauma and a complex trauma when when many many little traumas get connected and so and now at this point uh i finished the training i started it again in spanish with a group in argentina with you know because it's a latin american group and i'm very interested so i'm also assisting in the program now i'm, I'm yeah so uh, i've been i'm very very involved and also I'm, I'm developing with a group of Latinx and Hispanohablantes, people that speak Spanish that live in the United States. We're, we're developing kind of a, that are all somatic experiencing practitioners or they're in their way to finish or mm -hmm. some of them are assisting, assistants. Mm -hmm. We're developing something together. We're getting together and we're gathering. I also have a podcast, the Embodiment Time podcast. And I'm also in a collective podcast called <laughs> Emerging Liberation Podcast, which is another racial justice podcast. So I have a lot of kind of racial justice uh, background in what I'm doing right now, parallel to my trauma work. And I have a very full practice in, okay. with trauma work, yeah. with somatic experiencing worldwide. I have clients from New Zealand or I have clients in, in London, in Paris, in in Chile, I have clients in Spain, in in United States, in different countries. So, oh. wow, that's that's because I'm a coach, I can do that. And if I was a therapist, I would be licensed to just one state, but I'm not. I see. Yeah, that's that's a nice thing. <laughs> it can be nice or not. You know, depends. Okay. Specialties. Sure. Well, wow. So you're obviously, you know, very qualified um, to talk about all this today. So thank you for giving us all that background on you. Um, and that's so wonderful that all the activism you're doing, because as we know, it's a it's a time where people were needing to mobilize, you know, to get move some move some needles. <laughs> so so today specifically, um, we're going to talk about dissociation and I, I, if you could just define what dissociation is for people who don't aren't familiar with that term. I mean, dissociation, there's probably different 
understandings and different experiences of it. I mean, the, the word is complex to dissociation is that to me, a couple of experiences maybe. One of them is dissociation from, of course, and this is all with trauma, it's always dissociation. So trauma makes us dissociate from the present because it, it, it keeps us stuck in the past. Right. And, and, and this is really biological, like parts of organs are frozen in time and it, the brain experiences that like memories that are frozen as well. So it's not like only the organs are tied up, wound up from that time. Like let's say part of viscera or somewhere like fascia is really tight, yeah. frozen yeah. from five and okay. it hasn't released. It does not release from there. Okay. So these kind of experiences make this area be separated from now. It doesn't yeah. know this area of our body doesn't know that we're yeah. here and safe and we can relax. Doesn't have the tissue, it doesn't know that. That's one piece. And so that makes the brain also feel threat around the present times when they've noticed this, this visceral tightness, most likely it, it feels like well, there's something wrong. So yeah. it, it is trying to figure out what can I do to get out of this problem? Because there's a problem right now. Yeah, but even though it was, it isn't true. Probably, you know, people wake up and say, "I have anxiety right now, and mm -hmm. my house is fine. I'm have a good relationship with my partner, or whatever. Yeah. I have a good life, and I feel a lot of anxiety. And so, what is that? Why? Why would that be? Because the brain is sensing threat mm -hmm. in the present time, so it's dissociation. That's one form of dissociation. So the body, it's tight in freeze dissociated from the real experience of being here, which would be like coherently will be like walking down the park or going, you know, in a trail or, or hanging with friends. And then there is this dissociation from the moment experience and sensing threat, sudden threat, for example, sure. long periods of chronic stress or when soldiers come back from war could be like extremely dissociated from here but very associated with past memories sure so that's so, one okay okay and yeah because i just want to say is like from my understanding i'll just um the, what i'm interested in is when we leave just the idea of leaving the body like dissociated okay. from our physical body so were you going to go into that next like yeah. another yeah as, as, right so there is a like a, maybe a perhaps deeper level that is even more complex than this one. This is kind of true to every trauma. Like there is all association with trauma, unfortunately, yeah. right? Association with the trauma, dissociation with the present time, and mm -hmm. that that's the whole trauma work is about bringing the person back to be here and trusting that this is okay. It's okay to be here, and they have a way of handling whatever is here. So, and, and they have to bring more capacity to be here because their dissociation means a shrinkiness. And I wanna talk about that for a moment before going into the full, uh, more clinical perhaps dissociation that happens living the body. But the, the fact that the shrinking that happens in the tissue, in the visceral, in the fascia, whatever it is, it's also a shrinking of the life force. Yeah. So that the vitality shrinks, which means it's, only, it's one of the things that happens, and which means the person has less capacity to be here. Yeah. 
So the dissociation is also energy dissociation, like life force dissociation. So there is less, it's almost like I have less, like I have a smaller bowl of soup, right? Like I live in a smaller bowl of soup or like I'm a smaller Japanese or Russian doll. It's actually Japanese, the real, the real <laughs> origins of that doll. But I always use that as a metaphor. Recently, I started using that metaphor of the energy well, like the smaller capacity, the smaller person in a smaller Russian doll or Japanese doll. So the, 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 that's dissociated from the energy. So there's dissociation from all the energy that will be released when the visa releases or when we're more here and handling. So we're dissociating from that because we don't have a handle, we can't handle. And very similarly, you know, the other extreme dissociation that comes more strongly for, for I mean, many reasons it causes dissociation from the body. It could be an accident. You could, I mean, and, and it happens in anesthesia as well. So dissociation is not actually a bad thing. I would say in general, if you look at trauma in general, it's a great thing. I would say- It's a coping mechanism. It's a great survival, yeah. more than a coping. It's a great yeah. survival mechanism. Yeah, impulse. In, and it use, it's extremely useful, for example, in anesthesia. It's extremely useful in the period where near-death experiences happen. It's extremely useful if a person has been asphyxiated or drowning, have had a drowning experience or even birth trauma. It's very useful as a way of surviving, but wait, kind of like waiting, waiting in the surviving, right? Like, so I'm here, I'm waiting until I can come back. Yeah. And so, not safe, well, right? I, until I, I feel safer, you know. In the and it happens a lot, very often in, in in birth, and it happens very often in anesthesia or medical. In in general, would make medical procedures that are early mm -hmm. in life, but also car accidents can bring the person to be safe. They feel like floating, but their body is, you know, in the floor. These are all very intense. Uh, if you think about dissociation. And at, at this level, it's going to be something very intense creates dissociation. Right. So those are kind of like more emergency. And then there is the other layer where, where the person dissociates over time because of a parental or caregiving threat mm -hmm. or disorganization. They, they, they tend to dissociate so that they don't have to, they can leave, they can fight. And freeze is okay, but not so well, because maybe they're gonna get hurt or it's dangerous. So they, they leave the body kind of, you know, they, 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 it's not like they're leaving their body. The, the, the consciousness is um, location, located somewhere else. And dissociation can be external or internal. So people can dissociate internally, like they can withdraw inside yeah. their body as much as they can withdraw outside and in different axes, like, you can be dissociated above or dissociated in front or side or behind, below, mm -hmm. like to the ground, any, you know, any, any position, including yeah. inside the body, in certain area of the body, they can just withdraw into some, like I said, tight viscera, like a frozen viscera, so they can dissociate into an organ as well. Yes, wow. it can get as complicated as that. And 
dissociation can lead to fragmentation. And that's more complex than even. Oh, yeah. If you want, we can talk about that, but, but we can stop here for a moment. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we'll take a little breath. <laughs> Maybe we don't need one. stuff. But great. I mean, it's 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 fascinating because, um, yeah, I I have done a little bit of research on this, but um, yeah, I, I haven't heard a lot of practitioners describe talk about it in such depth. So it's very interesting. I'm sure it's interesting for people listening. Um, I have my notes over here, so I'm looking over here, but. Um, <clears throat> So we talked a little bit about what causes it, obviously dramas, and you mentioned some um, possible causes. And so when, can you describe, because again, my kind of slant is how when we have dissociation, we can, it can cause us to have symptoms of illness or dis-ease. So can you talk about how that works? And I mean, it may be obvious, but if you could be. Well, I've been mentioning organs the whole time. Yeah. So, so that part. So if, if an organ is uh, frozen, just to be yes. just clear about that. If, if an organ has a biological frozenness, like it doesn't really move so much over time, it would just have a huge toll. Yeah. So I'm freezing this. It's very important, but also very scary because what's under the freeze? You know, Peter Levin says, and people that study trauma understand this, it's like an ice, uh, like an iceberg. Whatever is under is going to come to the surface. Like right now we're having this problem with global uh, warming catastrophe stuff where the ice melts and then we get the CO2 that was actually cap captured by the iceberg. And now it is going to be released yeah. in the atmosphere. Well, the same thing happens with dissociation. <laughs> Whatever was captured in the frozenness, because yeah. the organ acts like an iceberg, captures the CO2, captures the emotion, the, the memory. Mm -hmm. It has implicit memory and it has also like a emotional content. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, yeah. again, so we're talking about this tiny little doll, tiny little Japanese doll capacity, very small yeah. ball. That's why there is frozenness because the, the, the person is shrinking. So, to, so, yeah. so they, they're frozen and so it's complex also to unfreeze. Yeah. And this is why uh, intense practices do not really work so much because they, they're like a bomb. Yeah. And guess what happens when you release a lot of this kind of like memory or emotion, you wanna shrink again because the, the, the brain, or we don't have the capacity where we're, we have a small well, we have a small little doll size doll, yeah. Japanese doll size so we 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 expand and then we shrink again yeah we don't want to do that and sometimes it's traumatized even, right pretty traumatized and sometimes it creates more dissociation that so it has to be very very gotta be careful but that's that's what disease is actually in both ways it could be already because there's so much tightness in the viscera that doesn't allow fluidity. You know, you want the light force and the breath to go everywhere. You want, you know, like uh, circulation, lymphatic circulation, blood circulation, everything wants to go everywhere. Right. But with touch, with fascia, with, 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 with frostiness, it doesn't happen, you know, because the freeze response, it's a, it's a, a stop of the metabolism. It's like, okay, shut down metabolism work 
which means like all the digestive movement or, or anything along yeah. those lines, including the breathing or the cardiovascular, or like I said, just now in lymphatic or it could be immunological is compromised, it stopped in order to keep this area frozen. Okay. So it does have a long-term pro, uh, uh, like, of course it's gonna cause a lot of problems, yeah. but at the same time, people try to do something to relieve because they feel tight and that causes another wave of like a deeper dissociation, deeper tightness, which causes more diseases. And that's when we get into syndromes. Syndromes are uh, clusters of many uh, things that are attacked. It could be attacking the body like autoimmune disease or fibromyalgia where you can't sense what, what's a problem, but or chronic pain or chronic fatigue. Wow. Where, yeah. But also schizophrenia. I mean, there's other problems that are even more complex, like definitely mental dissociation when, when the person actually fragments from the ego, from the sense of self and starts developing extra personalities or has too much shifts in the personality, like bipolar, very, very complex. So, so it can be mental diseases, like all the way to schizophrenia or, or physical, like all the way to fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue. Okay. So Thank it's you. complex, very, very complex dissociation. It is. It's, it's, and I'm so glad you're talking about it because again, it's, um, or we're talking about it together, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that you're, again, I just think people don't understand what's happening. You know, they don't understand the complexity of our systems. And if you're dealing with these, like you say, like an autoimmune issue, it's like layer, it's like an onion. Like you've got, a, you've got a layers and layers and layers of layers of things you need to work through in that healing Absolutely. process. Absolutely, syndromes are worked in layers. They yeah. are actually very, very complex layers to work yes. on. And all, it's all about expanding this capacity to have a little more, a little more capacity. But it's very complex to have more capacity when, when it's like the capacity is so shrinked. And so dissociated. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so um, thank you. <laughs> um, my next question is, um, I think this is an interesting question. How do we know if we're dissociated? Because, right? I mean, if we're dissociated, then we, we don't know we're dissociated. Of course not. We're we're dissociating from also the perception of of ourselves. Right. Uh, I think it's necessary maybe to listen to signs of incoherence, and learning about incoherence is also tricky because we're not used to thinking about our life in terms of coherence or incoherence. Can you describe uh, what that means for people? Because yeah, I don't think that's probably a familiar term. Right, like, like accuracy, for example, that I see something and I, I perceive something and I think that's what I perceive is reality. Like I perceive the other person is angry and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm scared of that or I'm dissociating right now. Mm -hmm. But that's not accurate. That's not coherent because the other person is not angry with us or, with, or just has a phase that maybe just looks like that, but it doesn't have anything to do with us and we shouldn't be scared about it. It's not a tiger about to eat us. So that's yeah. very coherent. Or the, it's a great day and we have everything we need and we feel depressed or, or, or off, you're right? And so 
Uh, and depression is another form, another form that I didn't name is depression. It's another form of dissociation. It, it has, it's a very complex depression because it has other pieces to it. But um, we, feel, we feel like we're not totally here, but it's hard to know that because we don't know that we're not here. And it's familiar, it's the all we know. It's right. all we know, it's all we know. Sometimes it feels, it can feel like we're a little bit further away. Like we're further away from something. Mm -hmm. like if we're with people, but we feel further away, we're probably dissociated. I'm just thinking physically. So talking about these vectors that we dissociate forward, backwards or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're having a sensation that we're looking at the room from above or looking at the room from behind or from one side from below, yeah. that's probably dissociation. Sometimes it can be even in the hearing because dissociation also happens in the senses. Yeah. We can dissociate from touch. So if somebody touches us, we don't sense that or mm -hmm. we don't hear. Mm -hmm. People dissociate and lose hearing in the dissociation. So dissociation, and, and, and I had a, a, like a, a, another co colleague that was saying that a, a woman, like a young woman, uh, her dad was murdered. This is Mexico. It's a, it's a colleague in Mexico, like one, one, one of my colleagues in Mexico. And she said that this, late, this girl, young, I mean, adult, dissociated so much to handle the murder that was like a, with, with a gun that she doesn't hear anymore. She lost hearing yeah. in one side, especially more one side than the other, but a lot of hearing it was lost. And now she's losing her voice. So she, she's starting to lose the capacity to speak well because she doesn't hear. So yeah. you can dissociate and that was a very good prevention. I mean, like a, a, a mechanism of survival for her was like to shut down from in the hearing because the gun, you know, too strong of a sound and now she doesn't hear. So that's how you, we can dissociate. And now the journey is about like recovering, recovering that part. So you can dissociate an organ like the skin or, or the sensation or like a perception of you, people dissociate from their feelings, right? So you can dissociate emotion or certain kind of emotion. I don't, I don't cry or, yeah. and so it's, it's kind of like that. You, you, you might be hearing less when certain people talk to you, you start feeling like you're further away or hear less. Yeah. Um, and that can be threatening too. So it will be sensed, sometimes can be sensed in, in that sudden anxiety that hasn't, doesn't have any reason to be here, yeah. but that is probably physiological dissociation, like I'm saying, like lack of hearing or lacking vision or, or sudden like sensing that we're out of the body and that is very threatening for the for the brain like what's going on you're where are you going so that could create anxiety like it would happen if you yeah if you have an accident and then you wake up after that and then you start panicking about all the physiological things that are happening and then you associate and then you come back and then this, so that could happen a lot but yes it will be a sense of not being so much here but then you have to kind of have a, a measure of when are you not dissociated, you hear different or you see different or you, yeah. you sense your skin or you can have a little bit of emotionality. Mm. So it's not so easy to track it. Usually people need assistance to, yeah. for dissociation, 
especially they need assistance to to even yeah. notice the difference in between association and dissociation. Most uh, of the yeah. yeah, I was just going to say it, It, um, you know, in the, the term mindfulness, I mean, if you have the capacity to have mindfulness, then you can start to notice these um, subtleties in your own system, right? Like, oh, I, I feel like I'm over here or I'm over here, but you wouldn't notice that unless you had a capacity for for tracking your awareness. Right. And other, you know, right. So to work with a practitioner who is mindfulness based or a somatic practitioner, you know, they're going to help like weave, weave you back into reality. Like, right. Yeah. And then there is a lot of the, the field of um, meditation has a lot of disembodiment. Sure. Uh, so sure. It's a huge kind of field of this disembodiment. And so mindfulness only if, it, if it's mindful of the body yeah. is not disembodied. The rest is sure. pretty much disembodied. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tracking from being disembodied, it's, it's not <laughs> accurate. Yeah. tracking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I lived in a meditation center for three years and it wasn't always, the, <laughs> I mean, it didn't always help, you know, people with those issues. Right. Yeah. It can, it can encourage disembodiment. It can. Yeah. Dissociation. I mean, yes. 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 So let's talk about, um, so we can also leave people on a note of hope. <laughs> right. um, what what can be what can be done about what are the what's the solution to how do we get back in our bodies? Um, we know that embodiment is the solution. So how is that possible? Well, I'm, I'm giving you like the trick of my practice. It's like how do and it's not it's not so easy. So it's a trick, but it's not so easy. It's is how do you uh, allow this person, this physiology to handle more of themselves? Mm -hmm. A little more and not so much more that it shatters them and fragments them again, but just enough that they can withstand it maybe throughout the week and then slowly expand it over time, you know, kind of like neuroplasticity, seeing it in that way maybe where you wired in a different way, but in this way, it's like a, a bigger wiring. Okay. So, and that, first of all, it's very useful to do. Um, it's okay to dissociate, by the way. So I think it's, it's a wonderful resource as well. So it's not like a thing that I want people to think, no, I should never dissociate and always be grounded and here and present. No, dissociation can be helpful, but, um, making slowly progress to resources that help us be here. So if, if they're gonna do mindfulness or something like that, it will be mindfulness that is associated in the body mm -hmm. or resources that are associated in the body and they feel pleasurable and tolerable because pleasure sometimes can be dissociated too, but tolerable, like I can handle maybe imagining that my feet are in cold or warm water or stuff like that you know like imaginary stuff or memories of associated parts of the body could be or hearing pieces that are associated with like a good sound maybe if, if the dissociation is in the hearing like slowly bringing good sound like what would like the birds or just something that that opens the person to listen or a good touch like what would 
Mm -hmm. um, if you could imagine anybody touching you and who would that be and how would they do it and, and, and not even touching, but imagining that, that and you only, and you were able to say no and yes and whenever, things like that. Or if you could come back to the body, what would you wanna see or experience, right? When you come in, what would be the best scenario to land into? Because a lot of times with near-death experiences or birth experiences, the dissociation is kind of like a, another route for the soul kind of like a, a division of the soul and to not really know if I want to be here you know sometimes that's part of the dissociation like I'm not quite sure if I should be here sometimes you know with resuscitation or, or people that survive accidents or Vietnam war or some other war people come back and they say I'm not sure if I should be here like um everybody else died or some people died and I survived or or birth trauma where I'm not sure if I was supposed to be born, like maybe I shouldn't have been, I mean, all these ideas. And so what would it be like to be alive? And that's a lot for some people, you know? So the, yeah, to like start landing, what, what would be okay to handle? What would be okay of, because being here means all the senses are here and everything. And that's too much for some people. Like if you have one sense here, like if you had like land with one finger here, not everything at the same time, what would be ideal, you know? So it's really something, the word that, that comes always is titration, like droplets of it, just yeah. a little bit droplets, very gentle work because yeah. they, to not, again, re-dissociate <laughs> the person. The whole idea is to avoid more of that dissociation. What, what it makes me think about is, um, first of all, do you have like a statistic, like how many people you think are, because what makes me think of is, oh my God, it's so delicate. It's, you know, we, we look at each other and we see a body, but then that person could, again, be totally far away or like so sensitive, like we know this, but like we don't, it's like, what percentage do you think of people who are walking around in this, this much of a fragile state i know it changes all the time but do you have any kind of statistic i'm just for people mm -hmm. to get an idea so we can be more mindful about how we interact with each other right knowing i that. think i think white europeans have more dissociation than the rest of the world mm -hmm. like the you're, i don't know what it is i think it's like uh, i i have no idea exactly what it is about the white the whiteness. Are you talking I mean, about America or Europe? Both. I think in both places there is an enormous amount of dissociation um, from, yeah. from maybe the wilderness of the body, or from the because other cultures yeah. don't have that problem. Like they're okay being here, grounded. It's a mess, but they're okay. They're here. But I think the the, the white body, like the ballerina body. Mm -hmm. It's not okay being here. It's like I gotta be in tip tiptoe and 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 try to stay. You know, ballet is very dissociated. It's like a it's like the example of an art very dissociated. Right. And a lot of the contemporary dance you see that like they're the 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 tiptoeing in the world, and so that's very dissociated. Just to, sure. to understand. So I think it's a cultural norm, kind of like dissociate from from being yeah. here, but I try to be 
try to be in the future somewhere else. Like in the future, you're gonna be here or, or you're gonna create a here, there's something. So I think a enormous amount of, of, of white culture in, in, in both places, United States and, and everywhere okay. else that are, don't have the roots, they don't have clear roots of when were, was my culture ever grounded? Where, where was my tribe ever here? Yeah. That is not so much. Indigenous people are, are here. They're not, you know, there is dissociation and other problems, but they have more base here. And so I think the same with Black people. They are much more embodied. And so are probably most Latin people, culture, except if they're richer and they're more white, they are more dissociated. Yeah. So you see it all over the world. I mean, it's obviously um, religion has to do with that as well, dissociation cultural dissociation from, from many norms, societal norms. Yeah. And then there's the trauma, the transgenerational trauma, mm -hmm. but then the, the trauma here. So yeah, already the dissociation that is the norm and the white culture is the highest culture. So we are all aspiring to be dissociated in that way. And that causes trauma. And the medical system is based on white, white culture ideas of, of the body and how birth is wrong and everything is wrong right now you've got to fix everything and so that causes this a lot of medical trauma <laughs> creates dissociation sure so, i i just want to um tag on to what you're saying because i've always um like i'm a systems person like um you know working with elements and i always see things in typings you know and i to me, and, and, and including astrology and the air, you know, air, ether, and, um, you know, working with those kind of elemental segments anyway. And I, I've always, I mean, it's just obvious that, that the, um, you know, white, white is, is more mentally focused. Mentally focused. Right. Yeah. So, so we're talking about, I mean, dissociation is like, you'd say it's a physical problem too, but it is also a mental issue. And, um, and especially, again, my, my podcast is called Aquarian Times. So it really, you know, I weave in how we're talking about the Aquarian age, which is an air age, an air sign. And with all the technology and all the yes. virtual reality, we're becoming more and more dissociated. Absolutely. Because of our mental focus. So I'm just, for making that relevant for anybody listening, like from my perspective, that's what the correlation is with whiteness being a more mental um that's why there would be more dissociation because there's a you know they're more mentally um oriented more intel it's more about intelligence than embodiment because there's too much trauma in the body like uh yeah thousands of years of trauma in in the in the european medieval times and before that as well yeah so there's a lot of trauma there so of course you're gonna be more mental you know like uh that's that, 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 but it's also like the way the brain works. The brain, so there is, um, I don't have it here, but I might. Oh, I think I do. I'm always spreading this, this phrase, but I don't remember it by heart, but I have it. Um, yeah, so this is very important. Uh, when the body cannot complete its functions for safety purposes, the brain takes over. Yeah. And this is a function of the brain, like uh, what it's talking about is like the brain in general, but it could be any part of the brain, but the brain takes over when the body does not complete its functions, 
right? So, and this is all the thing that I've been saying about like in medical trauma or in near death experience or in birth trauma or in developmental trauma yeah. or in like societal trauma, transgenerational stuff. Mm -hmm. The body, the physical body does not complete functions for safety, the, body, the brain takes over. And what it does is what it's doing now with us, you know, making us go in certain direction with ideas, with thoughts, with the anal analysis and, and, and also loops, like closed loops of this is how you're going to function here. I'm keeping you here because that's safe. But that's not the, the, the that, that is not allowing the function of this visceral area, right? So this is talking about that. It's not allowing the organ to move in its own fluid way. So back to other ways. So with a good therapy, so with, with somebody, like if, if people are experiencing a lot of uh, dissociation with some practitioner or some group of people that are very um, trauma aware, trauma trained, doing very titrated amount of work around these completions also requires some movement, uh, but ideally involuntary. So no voluntary movement. So this is kind of like the opposite of yoga. Although yoga, I think it's fine. I think involuntary movement is much more important for dissociation because the completion, what is here, that phrase, that's from Pete Sterling, which um, is an incredible author, but uh, it's the involuntary movement will allow the unfreezingness. But voluntary movement, and also in the involuntary movement, there is a completion of the fight or the flight response, which are usually under the freeze. So not under, but above the freeze response, there are two other options. Ideally in animals use them all the time. They flight, they fight. Mm -hmm. And that's for moments. I mean, they don't always do it strongly, but if they have an incident, they definitely will choose one of those routes. They don't work, they will freeze. But after they freeze, they will come back and they flight or they fight. But usually they flight after they come back from freeze. Mm -hmm. And that's visceral, that's very, uh, it's movement also, it's running, it's like activation of the limbs as well. Yeah. But small involuntary moments are very useful in general for that. But, you know, it's not like wiggling in the floor. It's not like that's going to do it. But movement is better than no movement. For somebody that is, has a lot of dissociation, it's better to do any kind of movement than no movement. But at the same time, be careful not to do movement that creates more dissociation. So that's the crux with yoga and other movement modalities. Yeah. How much is too much to freeze again the person into more of that dissociation versus a little bit goes a long way and allows the breast to come back wherever that area of freeze is. So mobilization completion is very important. It's not simple. It usually requires help. If there's dissociation, person really probably needs help, you know? And there is practitioners doing, doing work for free and, and for a sliding scale for, for certain populations as well. So it's not like all expensive, yeah. fancy. It makes me think too, you know, we're both have been yoga teachers and it makes me think of a lot of, you know, what can happen in the yoga room is like autopilot, you know, people just, they get in there and they literally leave their body. They do a yeah. sun salutation without, without being connected. It's like this, they force their, themselves through this thing because they have an idea of, you know, whatever, 
body and they want their body to look a certain way or whatever and they dissociate that dissociation right like i want my body to look not right. like what it is i don't want my body to be right now i want it to be future that's the white idea but it's like the trauma of disembodiment wow something in the future is going to happen that is going to make me yeah some in the future but it's not associate it's not a it's not a body oriented thought because the brain takes over somewhere, wherever, wherever the one the brain wants to take us with with its uh, inability to see us. Because actually, the brain is not part of; it's kind of like separated from the rest of the body, so it doesn't really know what's going on. Has the eyes, but the eyes are not the full. You know, it has sensory information, but it analyzes it and converts the information. So it's like a, yeah. it's not it's accurate true. because it takes all the information and does something with it. Right. And usually that's it even before the information comes. It's already predicting. So it's like uh, Lisa Feldman Barret says, the brain is just predicting. So we live in predictions, in, in prediction loops, not in reality. That's what the brain does. So gotta get out of the prediction yeah. to be here. It reminds me of a story I read in college. It was like brain, the brain in the, in the jar, you know, it was like yeah. totally separate. Very much. Yeah, pretty much. Doing prediction. That's its main role is uh, intake of sugar or some form of glucose or something, uh, oxygen and prediction. Wow. Magdalena, this is really intense and fascinating and I want to respect your time. So I think that we'll probably, I think this is a good place to wrap up. Um, yeah. Was, sure. Yeah. I feel like you let us, you know, in, down a rabbit hole in a way into the complexity of of our human experience, of our embodiment, and of, I mean, if I, I just wish more people were walking around with this kind of awareness that this holographic kind of interdimensional reality that people are, you know, stuck in different, I know, you know, dimensions, and it's just it, you know, it would be a lot easier if, if we all had that shared understanding right <laughs> thank you for for doing this you know all your work to to address this stuff it's i mean it's very shamanic you know it's very shamanic yeah, yeah exactly. very shamanic work yeah. we need that so thank you thank you so much Julio. So yeah yeah be with you totally thank you for coming on and i'll let you go and i'll i'll be in touch with you about looking forward to hear about your book and, and and the podcast yeah 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 for sure I'll, I'll i'll make sure you get a get the link so thank you all right i'm gonna turn off our recording now so yeah so thank you for your participation you're welcome <laughs> yeah it's nice to see you thank you you too